fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolfpack, what's going on? Welcome to the Fantasy Fullback Dive. We pave your path to your 2021 titles. And I am thrilled bringing back the Fantasy Beats first episode of 2021. And of course, got to bring on for the sixth time now, I think a potential record at this point, (laughs) my man, Sports Illustrated's all 49ers, Grant Cohen. He's been covering the 49ers since 2011. I think he's been coming on our podcast since 2011, even though it didn't exist back then. I've been coming um, on this podcast since I was 12 years old, man. It's great exactly. To see you. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, man. We were just <laughs> laughing about how like our setups and everything have become so much more professional yeah. since those first streams. But, man, it is so good to see you. You have a fantastic Niners pod, the Cohen Zone. He's blowing up all over on YouTube and Twitter at Grant Cohen, C-O-H-N. Thank so you. thrilled to have you, my man. How you doing, Grant? Thrilled to be here. Look forward to this every year. Uh, I don't talk about fantasy football that much, but and I don't play fantasy football, but I used to, and I know the 49ers, and I feel like I give good projections of roster spots, depth chart, prognostications, and things like that. So let me see if I can help the people today. Always do. And I love that you just always like no holds barred either. You have your opinion, whether they hit or not. There's always some that crush it out of the park. There's always a few swings or misses. I mean, Kyle oh, Shannon man. on the hot seat a couple of years ago. Old takes exposed uh, retweets me every three, four months. And who am I? They know me on a first name basis. It's kind of and I deserve it. So, yeah, take that. Take all of this with a grain of salt. Nah, but you've you've nailed a few out of the, the park for us. We wouldn't keep having you on if you weren't just as much right. as you are. Brother. This is a merit-based show. It's not because, you know, they like me or anything. So thank you. Uh, we do love you too, though. Merit <laughs> and we love you. It's, it's always okay. a pleasure, man. And we have tons to dig into. I mean, the 49ers so buzzy right now with Trey Lance, Trey Sermon. We, of course, have all our veterans, Kittle, Ayuk, uh, you know, obviously Debo. So much to dig into. But I just want to start real quick by asking, what happened to the 49ers last year? You know, going 13 and three, nearly, you know, very close in that Super Bowl, winning the NFC West, and then they crumbled last place on the, the division last year. What happened? What went wrong? What are you expecting this year? It's such a great question. It's such a simple question. It's like all the people in the Bay Area have kind of glossed over it because it's so to the point. And it's like, well, well they had the injuries. But that's a cop-out. Every team has injuries. The Niners had an unprecedented amount of injuries. But the way I look at it is they set themselves up to disappoint last year. They were in the Super Bowl. They lost. And the Super Bowl hangover manifests itself in different ways. For the Niners, it was denial. And it was like, we're the best team. We don't have weaknesses. We're going to do our best to run it back. uh, And we're going to win. And they fell apart early. Their offensive line was terrible. they got two quarterbacks hurt. Their running backs were terrible in the sense that Jerk McKinnon had to start four games. So it seems to me like the Niners were much more honest with themselves this year. They didn't bring in a bunch of injury-prone players, and they really addressed their weaknesses. Offensive line, secondary, uh, quarterback. They weren't messing around. So it seems like the Niners are finally set up to rebound in a way that they should have last year. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll get in more specifically with your prediction for the season later on here. But yes, 
Uh, totally agree with all that. But we know our fans aren't really caring about their records here. They care about the players. They care about the stats. And we got to start at the top with Mr. Trey Lance, the saga of pick three here. It's finally over. First, it was going to be Mac Jones. Then it was going to be you know, Justin Fields' private workout. It ultimately emerged Lance was the pick. Now, my first question with that is, was Lance the guy all along? What are your thoughts on that? I don't have any inside sources, but it seems pretty in vogue these days to say that Adam Schefter, Mike Silver, Peter King, Mike Lombardi, all the guys at the top of the game don't know what they're talking about. And they're making stuff up for clout. Like, I'm sorry, I've been in the industry 10 years. I'm not that naive. If all the top guys are saying that the Niners were in on Mac the whole time and changed at the last minute because of fan pressure, I believe them. And you know what? I don't think it's fan pressure. I think it's called Grant Cone pressure. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can really rile up the masses, uh, a mob. And it seems to me that the Niners made it. I mean, the fans made it pretty clear that they were going to flip out if Mac Jones was the pick. The Niners messed up trading up that quick, that early. They basically allowed the fans to make the pick. And it was clear if it was Mac Jones, they were going to proverbially, you know, metaphorically riot. Uh, and I don't think the Niners wanted that smoke. So they, they said, Kyle, is there anyone else you like? And they're like, yeah, I like Trey Lance too. Great. That's the pick. So we'll see. I mean, it seems pretty clear that he's, they're going to be patient with him. I think Kyle felt that Mac Jones could start right away. I'm not sure he's certain. I don't think anyone knows exactly what Trey Lance can do until he at least gets to camp. So it's more of an unknown, but it's much more exciting. And it was the right pick. You can't take Mac Jones at number three. He would have been there at number 12. Obviously. I don't know if Mac, if Trey Lance would have been as well, but I have a feeling Trey Lance had a higher draft stock league-wise. League-wide. Absolutely, yeah. And, and so much more excitement. And that's kind of what I'm wondering now is, what's he going to be bringing? You know, obviously there's so much he can bring and do and, and say this often. So we got the fan pressure, of course, but also on the field, you know, what is he going to do for this offense? Hmm. And before we dig into that, Wolfpack, if you don't mind giving this a thumbs up, whether you're catching that replay, catching the live stream, wherever you're at, it's just a great easy way to help out the show uh, likes and subscriptions. So appreciate it. So thank you there. But Grant, why do you think Lance is officially this guy now? And what's he going to bring to this offense? I mean, it's hard to say. Kyle Shanahan was just on uh, with Rich Eisen this week and said, look, he's not even ready to compete. And what he's been saying since he was drafted is we're going to go slow with him. And if he proves that he's ready to compete, compete, then so be it. But they're not going to fast forward and be like, you need to learn this offense by now. You need to be ready to compete by now. It'll be up to him. And remember, he's still 20. He'll he'll be their first round pick next year and their first round pick in 2023 as well. So it behooves them to be patient if that's what is required because you don't want to ruin this guy before 2023. That's your first round pick two years from now. So it seems to me that if he doesn't blow them away and he's on a natural progression of a 21-year-old, then they can do what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson when Lamar was a 21-year-old rookie, which was basically sit him until the bye week and have him come in for four, five, six plays a game, run the Wildcat, run stuff like that. Uh, you got to play him. You got to get Trey Lance in the game. And I don't think you only run Wildcat with him. You also have him throw. You want him to get a couple of play action bombs, a couple of quick throws, and let him master certain elements of the offense. So even if he doesn't win a starting job, I would imagine – I don't have sources on this, but you have to get him in the game. Uh, so I, I would imagine there's going to be a role for him in the offense, not like a Taysom Hilly kind of thing, but there will be drives every game that he gets in until he's ready to take over. Absolutely. And, and once he does, once he does, oh, one second, let me get back on here. Once he does take over, 
how do you see this offense evolving and, and how do you think he's going to perform? Like, as you said, they're not going to rush him. So clearly he'll be ready by the time he's getting on there. So what's your expectation for how he does and how he performs at that point? I think the reason they're intrigued with him is they feel like he has the ability. He's right now. He's a lot like Colin Kaepernick and Kaepernick was great early and never really developed into the pocket, the classic pocket passer that you need to be in your thirties when you lose athleticism. He's a lot like Cam Newton too. These guys were really great when they were young. And I think the Niners feel that Trey Lance has the passion for the sport in the position and the, basically that the, I mean, Kaepernick was, was smart too, but the, the obsession and passion for the sport to keep improving the mental side deep into his playing career. And that one day he can be a classic quarterback. But for now, the template is Colin Kaepernick, Lamar Jackson, that kind of stuff. He's not going to pass very much if he, if he plays as a rookie, he didn't pass very much in college. So he'll pass maybe 20 times a game, run a lot and produce a lot. I mean, even if he's not throwing for a lot of yards, he'll be running for yards and he'll be scoring a lot of touchdowns. So he's definitely someone, if you're in a fan, if you're in like a dynasty league, get this guy. Uh, and if you're not in a dynasty league and you're looking for like a backup quarterback, someone who could become a monster down the stretch, go back and look what Lamar Jackson did the last seven, eight games of 2018. That could be Trey Lance as well. He's a very intriguing guy. He's going to be there real late. I would imagine. I mean, we're going to have to, it's, you can't make these decisions in May. We'll have to see what he does in training camp, but keep him in mind. hundred percent. I think that's a, a perfect comparison. That's the one I was going to parallel it to as well. Cause during that stretch, you know, Lamar Jackson ended up nothing as a passer and still was the quarterback three or four in fantasy for that stretch mm. he took over in 2018. And then we saw the next year MVP ridiculous league winner status. So if Trey Lance does have that similar projection, I mean, he is well worth it in dynasty and even in redraft as a, depending on how deep your bench is, maybe he's on the waiver wire and then you blow all your fav, your, your fab money to go get him. I totally agree a hundred percent. We call it that Konami cold in fantasy football because of how much of a cheat code it is when you have a quarterback that's not only getting the passing stats, but also those rushing yards, given how much more valuable they are. The TDs, of course, too. Yeah. So uh, I'm real thrilled. quick, though, real quick, though, I think it's important. You're, how is this offense going to evolve? Let's say Trey Lance is the starter this year for most of the games. Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to be great news for Trey Lance owners in fantasy football. He's going to produce a lot. He's going to produce on the ground and through the air. Um, great news for Trey Sermon owners and Raheem Mostert owners. This team is going to run a lot, like the Ravens, a team that runs more than they pass. I don't think it's great news initially for the people who own George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Not because – it's just because there's going to be fewer targets to go around. There's going to be fewer throws every game. I think by year two or year three, Trey Lance could be the kind of guy who throws 40, 45 passes a game. But I just don't think that's going to be the way they – I don't think they're just going to throw him in the deep end the way certain teams do and say, go ahead and learn on the job. And if we stink, that's okay. If you stink, we stink anyway. It doesn't matter. The Niners aren't in that position. They think they're really good. They think they win with Jimmy. So he's going to have to be ready. And when he comes in, I think they're going to kind of not baby him, but just ramp him up. Let's have you run more than run as much as you throw kind of early on. Yeah. Gotcha. So good news for Trey, but yeah. not so great news for those passing games. TBD. Yeah. TBD. Yes. We will see. And and yes. speaking of that, if everyone's healthy, and I guess it's going to become interesting as we go down on these outlooks is like, how do they look with Jimmy versus how might they look with Trey is kind of how yeah. we're going to have to view some of these. But if everyone's healthy, how do you see these targets being divided there? It's pretty it, – yeah. now with IU coming on, Debo, if he's healthy, and Kittle obviously you know, has yeah. been the main vein for so long. How do you see that all shaking out? Well, Kittle always has to lead the team in targets if he's healthy. He's their best player. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, it's like, is it Ayuk or Debo? And to me, that depends on which quarterback it is. Now, I haven't seen Trey Lance play on the 49ers, and maybe he's going to love Debo. But it seems to me that Debo is – his value is very much tied to Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy doesn't want to throw down the field anymore. So he really benefits from Debo Samuel's pop passes and slants and all that yards after the catch. Ayuk is good at that stuff too, but not as good. He's not just going to break eight tackles a play like Debo can and has. Ayuk is – his potential is down the field, and Trey Lance has a cannon. So I think as Lance gets more integrated in the offense and eventually becomes a starter, you're going to see Ayuk become a Pro Bowl-level wide receiver who's averaging 16, 17 yards a catch, getting 13, 1,400 yards a season. But that might be two, three years down the line. Absolutely. Oh, man. I had Ayuk in fantasy myself last year. And speaking of that guy, like there was a stretch. He literally like single-handedly dragged my team to the playoffs at a certain point. It was weeks uh, seven through 15. He was the wide receiver three in terms of his fantasy points per game, only behind Tyreek and Devontae Adams scoring mm-hmm. over 20 fantasy points. I uh, ended up finishing as a rookie wide receiver 17. So a top 24 guy right there, your, your classic wide receiver two. What are you expecting as a sophomore? I know you said it might be two to three years down the line. He might be a perennial pro bowler to catching those deep bombs with Trey Lance. Do you see any of that upside still carrying over as a, a sophomore here this year? I love Brandon Ayuk. I mean, he's got it. It's just it's just the situation he's in. I mean, he's playing on a team now that's in flux at quarterback, and the new guy isn't going to be throwing a ton right away. And he's splitting he's splitting targets with George Kittle, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, uh, excuse me, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, Raheem Mostert. It's not a lot of targets to go around. Now, he's probably going to get the second most targets after Kittle because he's that good. But still, is that six targets a game? Is that seven targets a game? Eventually, he's going to merit 11, 12 targets a game, but that I'm saying that could be two 2022. Um, it's as a football player, he's premier as a fantasy football option. He's, I just wonder how many targets he's going to get, because as you mentioned, he was, he went crazy last year. Kittle was hurt. Debo was hurt. So if those guys are healthy, they're going to all have to split them. Absolutely. On a run first team. A hundred percent. And during that crazy stretch, he was averaging right around 11 targets a game. Like you just said, who knows if it's going to be there, especially if it does get a little more run heavy with Trey Lance, if, and when he does take over at some point. So then that kind of brings the question about Kittle, your expectations for him. Like, is there room for more or do you see regression? Cause he's going, you know, late second where there's still some really strong wide receivers some really strong running backs there for fantasy. Darren Waller is also there. Who's like the main option over there for Oakland uh, or LA now rather for the Raiders. Uh, so is, is exactly is, is Kittle, now, should we consider this a downgrade for him that Trey Lance is there, that all these other targets are starting to emerge? Do you think he is still worth it? Because he's been such an edge at that tight end position, really only behind Travis Kelsey since he became into the spotlight there. What, what are your thoughts on Kittle in 2021? I got two things with Kittle. One is the injuries. He gets hurt. Usually it was just for a game or two a year, but he plays through a lot of pain, breaks, and broken stuff. And last year he missed eight games. I want to say six or eight games. Um, He just plays a very physical style of football. He's entering his late twenties. What's his body going to be like? Um, Is he going to keep missing time? That's the first thing. And the other thing you said, is there more there with Kittle? I've been, I feel like we've been talking about this for years. They don't use him in the red zone. They don't use him in the red zone. He's a great player, but I'd rather have Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller or anyone who gets like your tight end should be getting targets in the red. Why are you not throwing to George Kittle? He's six foot four. What are you doing? So I, I would call, I mean, I know Kyle must have a reason and that's fine. I mean, Kittle isn't the greatest contested catch guy in the world. Fine. So 
14 touchdowns in four years. That's, I mean, that's not what you want from a tight end guy that you're taking that high in a, in a fantasy football draft. I don't know if that's going to change. I think the guy who's becoming the red zone guy is Ayuk. Go back and look at their targets. He got more targets in the red zone than Kendrick Bourne last year. Ayuk's the one with the eight, with the really long wingspan. So I, I think you're going to get more of the same from George Kittle, which is terrific, but it's just more of the same. Not a lot of scoring. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and maybe not worth it. I, I typically don't take that plunge on Kittle late round two, early round three. I'm looking more at the wide receivers there, more at the running backs in that range because of those exact concerns. No, never his, his value is his blocking. He's a hell of he's a better football player than fantasy football. Oh, he's scored touchdowns in fantasy football. He might be. I actually, I think he is the best tight end in football, real life yeah. wise. But yeah. Travis Kelsey, fantasy wise, he's speaking of touchdowns in the red zone. I mean, every every year you're getting 10, 15, like it's ridiculous. Right. So That's it right. just shows the difference between you know, just because you're the best in real life doesn't always mean so. It's totally and, uh, different, yeah. Fantasy. A hundred percent. So, so in that realm, then how do you see, I got, I can't believe the fact that he's only never topped five touchdowns though, as you were saying, it's like six foot four yeah. monster. I, I don't get it. How do you see the touchdown shaking out? Is IU going to lead this team in touchdowns this year? Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I do think in the red zone, you're going to see them run a lot. Like if Trey Lance isn't their starter, but he, they want to get him on the field as much as possible because they feel he can't develop on the sideline, which you can't then boom, red zone. Uh, this you see so much quarterback-driven run game in the red zone. Um, I wonder how many targets. But again, you you it's not it's Kyle Shanahan tendencies. You know who he wants to go to. It's been Kendrick Bourne forever. He's gone. It was Jordan Reed. He's gone. It was Brandon Ayuk last year. It's gonna be Ayuk. He doesn't call throws for basically Debo or Kittle in the red zone. I don't know why, but he doesn't. Keep that in mind. If you have those two dudes on your team, they're gonna get you yards, not points. And so they're trying to figure out who's gonna take. I have some some sleepers. Ross Dwelly. Ross, I've been talking about this guy for years. People kind of make, make fun of him, but he's six foot five. He's never dropped a pass in his life. Well, in his career, professional career, long arms, great hand-eye coordination, the perfect replacement for Kendrick Bourne in the red zone. Ross Dwelly, check that one out. They don't have a tight end who can t- challenge him. They didn't. Jordan Reed is gone. There's no Austin Hooper, which they were rumored to be interested in him. It's, it's Dwelly time, baby. And I think he can have he can have an impact. That's a really interesting two one because uh, you think of like we often call the running backs the the handcuffs with benefits right the Kareem Hunt <laughs> getting you some decent value on his own but if anything happens to Nick Chubb he's an absolute stud and you already mentioned George Kittle's injury history so it's like if if we're getting some value with Dwelly on touchdowns anyways and for the most part tight end other than Kittle Kelsey and a handful of others you're just hoping for a touchdown and and you're happy at fantasy because there's just garbage at the position so if this guy is getting, you know, seven, eight touchdowns this year, plus the upside, if anything happens to Kittle, that's a really interesting name that I don't think anybody has on their radar right now. Is You got to understand the Niners got to replace about 30 to 40 targets in the red zone from last year. And Debo and Kittle will take some of them, but Kyle doesn't like calling their number in the red zone. Uh, He certainly doesn't really get them the ball in the end zone. It's more like here's a here's a ball in the flat go break seven tackles and try to get in if you can the guys that he calls passes for in the end zone are brandon Ayuk and a bunch of dudes who aren't on this team anymore dwelly could be one of them to, to fill the void yeah well, well speaking of one of the big bigger names who might not be involved in the red zone but has been quite involved uh whenever he is on the field that's debo and obviously last year missed a lot of time with that foot injury uh before that that happened, he was a popular fifth-round pick, and now he's fallen right around round eight or so. 
Do you think we get a fully healthy Debo in, in 2021? And what do you expect from him in his third season? Well, here's the thing with Debo. I think last year he broke his foot in June working out. So let's see how he gets to the offseason. Yeah. This year, I mean, last year in May at this time, he was looking great. And then something broke. So I, I don't I, – there's nothing that Debo's doing wrong. But he's had injury issues since college. They've been consistent. And I, I'm not going to say that for sure he's not going to have them anymore. Um, if you're drafting Debo Samuel, that's something you have to be aware of that he could miss most of the season. He did last year, uh, hamstring history, broken bone history. Um, but so far he's healthy. So monitor it throughout the off season. If he gets to training camp in one piece, that's a very good sign. He did it in 2019 and was a monster. So if he's healthy and hasn't had any setback, here's the problem with Debo. If he breaks a bone, he gains weight, he comes back, he pulls his hamstring. So if he can just stay in shape and not miss a month, then he'll be fine. But when he misses a month, he comes back, hurts himself again, and it's just a cycle. So as long as he can stay consistently healthy and on track and in shape the offseason, he'll be fine. And if he does stay healthy, if he does, let's assume a big assumption, clearly. But if he does play 16, what are you kind of seeing for his stats at the end of the year? Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, Okay, all-purpose yards, we're talking – more than a thousand, mm-hmm. like, like 800, 800 receiving yards, 400 rushing yards, something like that. And like three touchdowns somehow. Very you know, two for two from like 40 yards out and one fluke one in, in the <laughs> three touchdowns, 1200 all purpose. It doesn't, uh, did you, why, why doesn't he ever throw to Debo or Kittle? Is there like any viable explanation that you can think of? Debo has short arms. He's yeah. Debo has short arms and he's five eleven. 510. Uh, George Kittle, great with the ball in his hands, but Kyle feels like he's not a contested catch guy. I mean, he didn't catch that many passes. He's not a natural receiver, but if you get the ball in his hands, he'll just run through the entire defense. Um, when it comes to like getting open in short areas, they trust Bourne, IU, uh, Jordan Reed, guys with a little more shiftiness and a little bit better ability to catch the ball extended away from their frame. I mean, how many catches can you remember George Kittle making like that in his career? He can do it, yeah. but it's not something he does consistently. Right. It's I, I just I yeah. don't get it. I, I hope I hope it turns around for him, but it is it's does it looks more like it'd be an outlier if he ever had like a 10 touchdown season okay. than the truth, just because five again, five is his career high. I, I just yeah. don't get it. You mentioned Dwelly as a sleeper already as a pass catcher. Is there anybody else that we should have on our, our radar or should we move our attention to the run game at this point? Well, the Niners really don't have a number three receiver. They lost Kendrick Bourne, didn't replace him. They have Richie James Jr., who they've never really made. I mean, he gets some chances, but they don't really give him a chance. I mean, what did I just say? They give him some chances, but he never really gets a consistent role, no matter what he does. Jalen Hurd hasn't been able to be healthy in two years. I think it's possible that the Niners are going to go much more into their base offense this year and do less three-receiver stuff. If they're really going to be more of a run-first team like Baltimore, then what do you need three receivers for? I mean, you play on third and seven, sure. But on second and 10, I just run. <laughs> just yeah. keep your – so I'm thinking Kyle Juszczyk. Like, he's been on the team for four years. They never give him the ball enough. He always gets about 20, touch, 20 30 touches a year. He should get more. He, he's a guy who scores touchdowns. He's a guy who actually produces. I think they just gave him, like, a five-year deal. They might actually get the ball into Kyle Juszczyk's hands more. I know he's had a very consistent level of production his whole career, but – I'm thinking this year it might change because Bourne is gone. Bourne is gone. 
It is, yeah, the, plenty of targets available, as you said, mm-hmm. over almost 30 in the red zone where that money is made for fantasy. Mm-hmm. So we will see how those are filled, whether that's Kittle finally hitting a ceiling there, whether it's Brandon Ayuk just continuing to be a monster in that red zone, Dwelly. Or whether it's just Trey Lance having, running like, it or, in. Cam or, exactly, Trey Lance or the potential run game here. And that's where we're going to kind of turn our attention to, and that's where so many fantasy owners are interested because – that Shanahan zone blocking scheme, we've all seen it. It is gorgeous to watch. It's deadly when it's executed right. It's made nobodies into fantasy monsters, but it's also always so tough to pin down who is going to be that guy. And I know right before we came on here, you tweeted out you've been watching Trey Sermon for hours and you just forget you're, you're just enjoying what you were seeing. Or I don't know. I don't, we, you said yes. you've been watching it for hours and I can't imagine you'd watch him for hours if you weren't into what you were seeing. So what are you, what, what did you see while you were watching him? And do you think this guy could finally become a workhorse we've been looking for in the Shanahan scheme for so long? He could become a workhorse. He has that skill set. Um, he is extremely strong. He's extremely explosive. He's not fast, but he's not slow. I mean, he's a 4-5-8, 40-yard dash guy. He gets into the secondary. He's not going to pull away from NFL defenses and NFL defensive back. But his burst um, through the line is amazing. It's just – I'm getting a little bit of echo. You getting that? Sorry about that. Uh, I think we're I think we're good. Yeah, we're rolling. Okay, my bad. So, um, yeah, can he be the workhorse? Yes, I think – He's going to start off on the bench. Raheem Mostert will be the starter. Uh, Mostert gets hurt, though. Mostert has never been successful as a starter. They'll give him one more chance. And if you have Trey Sermon, you can probably draft him late. He'll probably get the chance to start by midseason. And then if he's good, he won't give it up. I think Kyle Shanahan wants to maintain a, a running back committee. But the other guys in the committee are like 196 pounds and, and injury prone. So Trey Sermon has some injuries, too. But this is the kind of guy who could sort of be the last man standing. Yes, you should draft this guy. 100%. And so how – I know you said it might not be until you know mid-year, whatever it might be, whether it's an injury, whether it's just outplaying Mostert. Once he does take over, are you expecting this to be like a 100-yard type of guy every single time he's out there? Like how what, – what are you projecting for the stats there for Trey Sermon once he does become – if he does become the guy? I go back to Frank Gore. Frank Gore was a third round pick in 2005. He started one game his rookie year, averaged 4.8 yards per carry, backing up Kavon Barlow, who wasn't half the running back Frank Gore was, but there was a seniority thing. Next year, Norv Turner becomes the Niners offensive coordinator, makes Frank Gore the starter, says he's the next Emmett Smith. Guy runs for 1,600 yards. Trey, Lan- Trey, <laughs> Trey Sermon could be that kind of a running back on the 49ers. When I watch him, he's got that kind of uh, natural ability to make people miss and string cuts together that Frank Gore had. He's got jump cuts like Marshawn Lynch. He's devastatingly uh, powerful. He's really explosive and quick. Um, I think he could end up being a excellent, one of the better running backs the Niners have had uh, the last 20, 30 years. I think he's really, I think he's special. I'd love to hear it. I love to hear it. Um, well, the guy he's going to have to beat out is a guy that we were both pretty pumped out about last year. That's Raheem Mostert. I mean, and, and we, we even went as far as calling him, I believe, Terrell Davis Light, you know, 1,600-yard threat, if you don't remember correctly. But all honesty, through two weeks, it looked like it might be a great prediction. You know, 151 total yards of touchdown in week one. Next game, 80-yard touchdown, first play of the game. Like, it looked like this guy yeah. was going to be a monster, and we hit a home run. But, of yeah. course, he gets hurt. 
Uh, and he just never really regained his health, never really regained no, he didn't. the backfield, and just wasn't that involved for the rest of the season. So we saw that brief glimpse, and that was it. And that's really all he's been throughout his career is a bunch of brief glimpses. Is that still going to be the case in 2021, or how involved do you see him being this year? I think he's going to be as as involved as he can as he can handle. I still think it's his backfield. Trey Sermon's a rookie, and he's a nice, he's a perfect complement for Raheem Mostert. What a great one-two punch. They actually are different. Uh, Raheem Mostert is the fastest running back in the league, and Trey Sermon has power. Kyle Shanahan's had uh, running back committees with a bunch of scat backs his whole career. Now he actually has complementary backs. I like that. But in terms of Mostert, I compare him to Chris Johnson, CJ2K. That guy went for 2,000 yards in a season once and then pretty much was done. Uh, He took a bunch of punishment. He wasn't that big. I think Raheem Mostert has one season like that in him. It could be this year. Could he run for 2,000 yards? Absolutely, if he stays healthy. Now, I don't think he's going to get those that many touches. I think he's basically going to be splitting carries with Trey Sermon, and that'll be best for both of them. This could be the best one-two punch in the league, although fantasy owners don't want to hear that, the, the one-two punch. No. no. <laughs> That's the disgusting stuff. Well, yeah, it, you know, it, they'll be better off in real life, obviously, in the one-two punch. What really matters in that case, though, is, the, the money touches who's getting the red zone and, and the goal line looks and who's catching the ball. Is it either of those two? Is there a third guy coming in for that? Who do you see getting that, that goal line? I think they both could catch there. the ball. So uh, Raheem Mostert was getting involved in the passing game last year, but in the red zone, I'm sure they'll let Mostert try first, but I think Sermon has much more potential and much more to offer in that area of the field. And once he shows what he can do in the NFL, that'll be his thing at first before he takes the, the job entirely. I can't wait till that day. We just need that. We, I'm sick of the one-two punch. I need that <laughs> Shanahan workhorse, that Alfred Morris, that you know Steve Slayton way back in his rookie season. It's, it's been so long since we've had that guy. And when we do have it, it's literally a top five running back every single time. So That's right. I got fingers crossed. Trey will take it. As you're saying, it, it probably is going to take a little bit because Mostert's been so good. But I don't hey, know. The guys he's splitting carries with get hurt. So draft this Trey Sermon guy and it just may happen by default. Absolutely. And at least in dynasty, right? Like I, I don't even know what Mostert's contract is, but at certain point, long-term, it's probably Trey Sermon, I mean, right? You could argue that Trey Sermon should be the top running back from this past draft in, in dynasty. Why are you sure that Najee Harris is better than him and in a better position? I don't know. Something to think about. I, I only think so just because of Tomlin's history of peppering one guy. Like you're saying the one-two punches, all that stuff. You know, See, that's, that's why you're that's why you're the fantasy football guy and not me. <laughs> exactly. You're right. Oh man, that that's the one thing. So if you're gonna project as we always like to do, then uh, because we need <laughs> the stats, that's what fantasy owners care about. The overall run game kind of prediction and projections. How do you see the numbers shaking out, the workload okay. shaking out? You know, if Sermon takes over, when would that happen? All that stuff. Right. What's your ultimate prediction here for the okay. run game? I'm gonna try, I'm try to do my best. If they're all healthy, I figure Raheem Mostert gets. 15 carries a game. Trey Sermon gets 10. Debo Samuel gets four. Uh, Trey Lance gets four until he's a starter and he gets 10. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of carries to, to go around. There's still Jeff Wilson Jr., who's a hell of a player. Um, but I think probably 14 to 15 for Mostert while he's healthy. Uh, eight to 12 for Sermon while he's young. Uh, and then Debo has to get three, three to five. So that's the way I look at it. Lance as well. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So it is going to be a bit of a split. It's going to be kind of all yeah. over the place uh, until maybe an injury, that injury we always see. But yeah. Mostert, if Mostert's getting 15 carries, if he is that lead guy, then he is going significantly undervalued in fantasy football. Mostert taking you know, Trey Sermon above him right at this point. Uh, because of Trey Sermon, Mostert's falling to you know, the later oh. rounds at this point. So you're thinking that could Don't be a potential give up on Mostert yet, man. That guy is good when he's healthy. He's in great shape. Uh, he looked fantastic last year. I thought he looked way stronger last year than he did in 2019 when he was setting, you know, when he was going crazy. So give Mostert one more chance. He had a high ankle sprain the whole year. All right. We won't yeah. let him off quite yeah. yet yeah. Uh, per Grant. Now, one of my <laughs> always favorite things uh, to ask you because you you never hold back here. What is your prediction for the 49ers record? And uh, overall, where do you see them going this season? Are they going to get back to the playoffs? What, what's your thoughts on these 49ers here? I think they will get back to the playoffs. I'm usually pretty down on them, but I think I like the offseason they've had. I love their draft. I think they really address their their weaknesses. And I think that they're, while, they're, while their division is tough, their schedule is weak. It's basically a last-place schedule. Uh, I think they can win 17-game season now i think they can win 11 games pretty much no matter who their quarterback is and if jimmy garoppolo or trey lance or josh rosen comes out and plays really really great they can win 13 games this is a team i think that's a a contender in the nfc i don't know if they're a super bowl contender but between them the rams and the bucks those are probably the best team maybe the pack too but starting to look like the pack won't have aaron Rodgers, so hard to say Fantastic. I was going to say, that might be the most optimistic yeah. I've ever heard you about these 49ers, <laughs> man. I like to see it. It's a solid team. I mean, they were in the Super Bowl two years ago. They finally addressed their weaknesses. If they can get a quarterback to stay healthy and, and, and get hot, I mean, they can go toe-to-toe with any team in the NFC. Nice. I'd love to hear it. We got a, a bunch of comments. I'll address all those, Grant, because I know I don't want to take your time, but I, I, a couple of funny ones here I got to pull up. I'm sure. not, it's not too late to trade Trey Lance for Mac Jones. What are your thoughts? Good call, Good call Corey. Good call. <laughs> I don't know. Definitely man. I, maybe maybe uh, the Patriots would want that. I don't know. Yes. I, I, maybe. maybe. And then uh, when Jimmy G gets hurt within the first four weeks, how well does Trey Lance do with that Konami code? <laughs> See, my thing is that, like, if Trey Lance is on some type of a schedule and they feel he's going to be ready after X amount of practices and X amount of weeks, then they can't throw that out the window the minute Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt and said, well, Trey, you're up. If that happens, then they got to put Josh Rosen in the game and be like, sorry, Trey Lance is 21. He's not quite ready. We're, we're going to trust the process the way that the 76ers did with Joel Embiid. You, you don't let anything speed that up, uh, especially don't let Jimmy Garoppolo's injury lead to something bad you know what i'm saying whatever the, the timeline is needs to be the timeline and it can't be affected by anything really interesting too because i think yeah. a lot of people immediately are like injury prone jimmy garoppolo we're going to see trey lance sooner than later and that just if might he's, not ready, if he's ready yeah if he's ready and i'm not saying he won't be but yeah. you don't let jimmy garoppolo determine when he's ready you let trey lance determine when he's ready he's 21 really? he's 20 right now come on it's the future oh, yeah awesome um, well, Grant, why don't you remind our listeners here where they can find your stuff, uh, where they can connect with you and all that good stuff. Sure. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Grant Cohn. You can watch me on YouTube, search for Grant Cohn, C-O-H-N. Uh, I got a, I got a webpage uh, at SI, SI.com slash NFL slash 49ers. And, uh, you can email me. My email is open, Grant Cohn at Gmail. 
hit me up. I'm around. I'm not hard to find, man. Or you can watch, you can find me walking the streets of Oakland, chilling in my stinger. You know, I do. <laughs> love it, man. Absolutely love it. Well, Grant, as always, thanks so much. And I do encourage all our listeners, all our viewers do connect with Grant. You're one of the, the guys out there that does love to interact with your fans. You just always got good stuff, whether it's the, the hard hitting analysis, you you half your stuff always cracks me up to just the funny, like video <laughs> reactions and things you're making. It, you're just great, man. It's a, it's thanks, always man. a pleasure catching up, talking ball with you. Uh, and, and hopefully when we do get a little bit more training camp information, see how things are going yeah. and we can reconnect and see if, if Lance is ready, all that good stuff. Would love to always fire him up uh, later right, on man. in the off season. We'll if definitely down, reconnect uh, during camp when we get a better look at what's going on. Let's do it. A- absolutely. Well, Grant, right. thanks so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it, brother. Thank you, man. Anytime. Absolutely. All righty, Wolfpack. And thank you so much for everybody tuning in. I know we got a handful more questions here, so I would be happy to connect with you guys. I see my man, Mitch Chavez. What's going on, brother? Wayne, love to see you. We are hoping to get a Steelers guy on shortly. Uh, So if you have any people you love that you'd love to hear me interview related to the Steelers, not a lock that will get them on here, but I'm happy to go for your number one couple sources there. Uh, so let us know, Wayne, who you're hoping for, because I definitely want to break down Najee, uh, this offense next year. So no doubt about it. Raymond Martinez, what's going on? Picking 12 in my dynasty league. I doubt Sermon will be there for me. Would love to see him there for you based on what Grant's saying here, seeing him as the future of the backfield. Might take a year. He doesn't think they're going to uh, give up on them real, you know, just yet uh, thinks we, we got to give Moster at least another season, but he does see Sermon as the future and a, a potential workhorse once he does take that over the power, the, the way he hits the hole so fast. So very interesting pick there, Barlow. Remember when Frank let it be known that he was the future against the ring? I do remember that too. Um, what was that, 40 years ago at this point with Frank Gore? Love it. Uh, and as Toons is reminding everybody, don't forget to like this. It is so appreciated, guys. The easiest way to help us out um, and just a reminder too, if you prefer podcasts to the live streams, or if you're busy at work and you can't watch the streams, these will always be available generally the next day. And you can find all the show notes where we're really committed to de- developing ffbdpod.com. You can find all our good stuff there with clips, highlights, uh, pod show notes, and of course, any podcast, wherever you listen, iTunes, Podbean, wherever, Stitcher, we'll be there for you. And all our content, Wolfpack, is at rotostreetjournal.com where we breed and feed fantasy wolves and me personally at Rotor Street Wolf. If you do want to connect wherever you find your stuff, Instagram, all your socials, we're always there. So thank you so much for those of you who tuned in all the way through here again, likes and especially subscriptions help us grow so much. It's so appreciated. We have an absolutely fire schedule for May already. It's early, but we're we're pounding it out. We have multiple guests already lined up for May. So keep tuning in. I'll be tweeting out the calendar momentarily about who we got some huge names coming on guys. So thanks again so much Wolfpack. Appreciate the the listenership, the viewership. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day in a world full of fantasy sheep. Be the wolf. See you guys. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd. Take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Straight ahead Devlin, 
Football right there, folks.